This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Garage Logic Podcast number 92. Feb 4, 2019, 28 below on this day in 1886 and 51 degrees in 2005. I don't remember that. Uh, people were standing outside the NAC Hardware and Lounge on that day. I do remember that. That must have been the reason. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Suchere. Are we almost obligated to, to do the Super Bowl chatter? You have to. Let's We're get obligated. Out of the way. We're obligated. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I share a, a thought with Big John, who writes, uh, he thinks Tony Romo has reached almost Johnny Miller-like status as an insightful, almost predictive play analyst. He has learned to dissect situations and predict actions to either what should be done or what would be advantageous to the offense, defense, or coaching staff. He is clear, analytical, and usually right. I hope you have noticed this. Uh, John, I've, I've celebrated Tony Romo on the show before. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, he does add he does add something to the uh, the play the color. And it was uh, on a sad note. I'm glad he mentioned Johnny Miller. It reminds me that uh, Johnny Miller's last broadcast was Saturday. I watched that. Why wouldn't it have been Sunday? I wonder. Why why, why did he leave on Saturday? Uh, I would love to have had him. And instantly he was missed. Instantly he was missed uh, when Fowler had a strange uh, set of penalties yesterday. Fowler ended up winning the waste management in Phoenix. But he, he hit a ball, I think it was 12 or 13, So he and it went over the green into the water. So he's two in, three out, hitting four. Yep. And he tried to drop it, and he couldn't because it's on a bank. So he was allowed to place it. Then he placed it. Then he walked up and looked at the green. And as he did, the ball he had left behind takes off on its own again and rolls into the drink. <laughs> so now it's four in, five out, hitting six. Right. And uh, no one, no analyst, uh, Azinger is a poor, poor substitute for, for Johnny Miller. But I, mean, I would have loved to have heard Johnny Miller's uh, take on that. Uh, in any event, what are you retiring from? You go to about six golf tournaments a year. I know. And he's, he's spot he's on. He's the best. He's what the are, best. What do you make of uh, that uh, trash tourney with all the, uh, the noise? and? Uh, I think it's fun. It's fun once a year. Yeah, just to let everybody yeah. loose and they see how they play. And with it's only the... on 16 where you get the rabble. Raz, okay. I all was right. unaware of that, and my son was watching it, and I, I was unaware that there was a tournament where they could cheer like That's, that. Well, you're, you're behind about 10, yeah, 12 yeah. years, 15 years. <laughs> uh, let's get back to the Super Bowl. What was the most egregious moment, do you, th- do you think? 
was it Adam Levine taking off his shirt? Uh, I predict those were all fake tattoos, by the way. I'm sure he's peeling them off right now. Yeah. Uh, some of the gals in my home did enjoy that. Um, I, I The halftime show was just... Was that the most egregious thing? I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, it just... Uh, the whole thing yesterday didn't happen for me. That It was overhyped. Everything well, was overhyped. That's why it's the Super Bowl. They're all overhyped. Uh, you ad- rarely get a memorable, gripping game. Uh, the Audi commercial was the best, where the uh, the guy went to go see a grandpa, in the, and then he was ended up choking on a cashew. It was just a dream. Yeah. And the grandpa said, here, here's this Audi. Okay, well, you haven't come up with the answer, so I'll give it to you in a moment. Oh, what? Okay. Uh, Mark Reed writes, greetings, crew. I'm writing uh, today in regards to the moving musical performance at the Super Bowl. I'm obviously not referring to the lackluster halftime show, but rather uh, Gladys Knight's performance of the anthem. I must admit up front that I'm not a fan of football and did not follow this season or this game. However, I found the statement that uh, Ms. Knight had released regarding the pressure she had received to not perform to be so classy that I felt compelled to seek out a video of her performance to my way of thinking. It was a magnificent rendition, and I was relieved that after all the media and pressure that she could still knock it out of the park. I know that the anthem and the manner in which it is to be performed has been a topic of conversation in the past at the University of Garage Logic. I was just wondering if we could get a mayoral ruling concerning this particular event. Thanks, offsite correspondent Mark Reed in Iowa, and he notes, I believe in the Samer theory. Uh, my ruling would be just what he wrote. I thought I thought she was splendid. Yes, that was she uh, was, that was lovely spot on. and splendid yep. and classy, classy and just just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that halftime that was B that was those were B listers playing uh, big, big boy big boy coming out big and then boy. big boy who was the other guy uh, Travis oh, Scott whatever I don't uh, know. you know what you don't have to be foul mouthed it's the Super Bowl I know I sound like I'm a, a who prude. got foul mouthed I I was so uninterested that I uh, he got beeped a couple times who big boy uh, no Travis oh, Scott yeah. it, with his lyrics they were too racy and then don't even don't invite some guy that's gonna swear Peter Peter went after big boy. Because he oh. came out in a fur coat. Uh, that was noticed as well when I'm watching this. Most that egregious moment in the Super Bowl. Trying to think. What do you think? Uh, Brady fist bumping the ref before the game. I um, fined Brady $5 million. I missed that. I did not see that. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. It is the fist bump seen round the world. Before the kickoff, uh, Brady was seen exchanging a pleasantry with an NFL referee on the sidelines. All right. Um, I saw something on uh, uh, That's it for me. You don't fist bump the ump. Instagram or Facebook, they had a in a clothing store referee tops, the re- the tops that the referee wear the jerseys, yeah. and they said, "Here's the uh, here's the New England uh, jersey for this super this year's Super Bowl." They well, wanted, that was clever. They wanted fair and square, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, there were no thirteen to three. Wow. And it was as boring as ever. Just horrible. Just horrible. Uh, what did you have to eat during the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, Mike writes. I have not uh, emailed you in quite some time due to a busy life and catching up on a backlog of podcasts. Now that I'm caught up, I can send in some some of the comments I've penciled on yellow Post-it notes and slapped all over my computer monitor. Yes, I have the same Post-it note habit that my friends and family razz me about. I'll spread my GL observations out in the coming days, and we'll work backwards from the present. So he starts with this. 
that uh, those flames on the Chicago commuter rails, remember they, they uh, started fire on the tracks? Yes. Rail crews do not put fire to the rails to keep them from freezing or to temper them. Steel requires 2,000 degrees to harden and 600 degrees to temper. Steel rail weighs 132 pounds per yard and would take much more than a little flame to reach those temps. Railroads have used several methods to put flames and heat to the rails for over a century primarily to prevent snow and ice from keeping the switch points from locking up or not closing completely. Mm. The secondary reason it's done is to warm the rail enough to prevent contraction and a potential crack or break. Rail is laid out at a neutral temperature that varies with location and climate, so rail crews know in advance when switches and rail will need attention based on the temperature and precipitation forecast. There's more science involved, but not necessary for your understanding. I think he's giving me a little shot. <laughs> right now I have to get back to watching the Waste Management Open here in Phoenix on our 60-inch high-definition TV. Longtime podcast listener and member of the Royal Order of the 21sters, Mike in Duluth, wintering in Phoenix. Oh, tough gig. So that settles that. See, we have GLers who are experts in stuff. Yeah. I was anticipating hearing from our geologist, Stacy, today, but uh, no email has come in yet. Uh, 10, uh, 10 to 20 quakes in Northern California? We got some rumbling. That's, uh, that's The plates are moving. That doesn't bode well. And then uh, I did hear another uh, use of the word historic uh, uh, from Channel 4, which continues to just double down on the fact that last week's weather was historic. Uh, I, I don't think it was because I've looked up the records and there was nothing historic about it. If, in fact, historic means unprecedented, I understand that the use of the word historic can be applicable in a number of ways. Uh, you know, that was yeah. a historically bad Super Bowl game. You know, that's okay. what I mean. Was, uh, so uh, I stand by my contention, however, that... Uh, there was nothing historic about the temperatures last week. Did you, you pick could, out a year? Did you pick out a year? I didn't do a year today. Okay. You could make the argument, by the way, <laughs> that, and you can't you can't really uh, see this coming. You'd need a crystal ball. But today it might have made sense keeping kids home from school, uh, given that the uh, the roads were, arch, were, were I, I would hope by now they're not, the roads were treacherous. They were. I had. I a, slid off my driveway. I didn't even do anything. I put it in reverse, and I just started sliding. I had. A, I drove my son to school at about seven thirty this morning, and uh, uh, fifty. Uh, what sixty two was fine. The Mendota Bridge was slippery, and then once you get into the city, uh, it was the Edgecombe Road right by the Temple there. Let me ask you something. Yep. I know where your kid goes to school. Yep. What in the hell were you doing crossing the Mendota Bridge? Uh, thirty five is too busy. And I'm not going to cross the river really? twice. I'm not going to cross the river twice. <laughs> I crossed the river twice to go to a wild game. Yes. No, it was, uh, so it was just, I thought that was the easiest way to go, and it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad that worked out yeah. for you. Yeah, it was. See, I want, uh, I want you to know that uh, uh, at Federated Insurance, they realize that one size fits all rarely works for you. That's why they customize their insurance to your needs. And uh, they'll custom tailor insurance programs to individual businesses, property, casualty, life, disability, income. Uh, their marketing reps get to know you and their operations and your operations to customize coverage for their needs. If driving's a big part of your business, they'll take care of you. They'll talk about auto liability. 
Uh, you worry about a cyber attack in this strange world, you should be. You might need their data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Rep to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. The Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show is back February 8th through the 10th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. The latest and greatest gear, apparel, and destination golf resort vacations. Try your luck on the green with a $100,000 pontoon putt presented by Nelson Marine. Two cool offers. With every advanced online ticket, you'll receive 17 free green fee passes. Add to golf shirt or your up north VIP ticket. Comes with two vouchers for the $100,000 pontoon putt, a Nike pullover, and 18 holes at the Wilderness at Fortune Bay. The Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Tickets at MinnesotaGolfShow.com. Latte Mate. Here's Joe Stuchere. Okay, a couple of things. The uh, Star Tribune made a second attempt yesterday, Sunday, Feb 3, to... Uh, Reinforce the idea that just because it was cold last week, uh, well, because it was cold last week, it's caused by the warming planet. And because I'm willing to learn, I have been incorrectly referred to, by the way, as the great denier, as though I deny climate change. <laughs> right. I don't deny climate change. The climate has always changed, always will, always has. What I deny is the attempt by activist groups, including newly elected members of Congress, to seize upon this as a way to bring about socialism, communism, Marxism, whatever they can do to undo uh, the great free market capitalism that brought this country and many others into existence. Right. That, that just isn't their cup of tea. And, and what they're up to has nothing to do with the environment. In any event, uh, at the risk of uh, alarming... Uh, loyal GLers saying, oh, he's talking about it again. I, I, I think I have some new way to, to discuss it today. So this one was a big piece, front page of the Sunday Star Tribune, Warming Planets Freezing Message. And I read it, and... and, and uh, More of the same? Even the dangerous wind shields recorded last week, they hit 63 below in Alexandria on Tuesday, did not set an absolute record. Blumenfeld, who are we quoting here? Uh, just a minute, I can get all of this straight. Kenny Blumenfeld, who is the state uh, climatologist, uh, we think there was probably a negative 71 degrees in 1982 in northwest Minnesota, he said. We think. That's not a fact. Uh, nothing against Blumenfeld. I, I'm sure he knows his stuff. Blumenfeld thinks that as the earth grows warmer, the severe deep freezes will become more rare. Other researchers, however... Say climate science is so complicated that it's difficult to tease firm predictions from the data. Well, that's, that's not a fact. Right. That's just speculation. Some current research, for example, suggests that global warming may be changing the jet stream. All right. They don't know. They're wait, wait, what was that? that? Some current research, for example, suggests that global warming may be changing the jet stream, causing it to disturb the polar vortex in such a way that the Arctic blast could again become more common, despite generally warming winters. Well, wait a minute now. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Exactly how climate change affects the jet stream and aeroband of strong wind in the upper atmosphere is a topic of research, said Tracy Twine, who teaches uh, atmospheric science at the U of M. The jet stream helps contain uh, the frigid Arctic air over the North Pole, but it has always been wavy, meandering off course from time to time and allowing sub-zero Arctic air to bulge south. It seems to me that Twine's admitting there's nothing new here. Nothing right. new here. More of the same. Uh, scientists are studying whether the Earth's rising temperatures might be causing the jet stream to wander, Twine said, leading to more frequent leaks of severe cold to more southerly latitudes. We don't know enough about the science to be able to predict whether this is going to happen more or less, said Twine, I, who I'm crediting uh, as being uh, honest there, Tracy Twine. I don't know if that's uh, male or female. Uh, in other words, we don't know. We're pretty confident that overall the winters here are averaging warmer. We just don't know how these colder outbreaks are going to change. Okay. So far, what have you learned from this piece? And I'm not diminishing the reporter, Jennifer uh, Borhus. Uh, I'm, Nothing I'm just, new. I'm just saying, have you learned anything yet? No. And i got half the story to go. Okay. All right. And then I'm going to tell you what I did. All right. All right. Uh, and then you go over here. And say, One group of researchers suggests that the rapid loss of ice in the Barents and Kara Seas off Russia and the heat rising from the open waters amplifies a naturally occurring wave in the jet stream. Uh, last week, the polar vortex actually split from one spinning mass of cold air into two separate pools. And a lot of people had a lot of fun on the interwebs with the fact that the split polar vortex looked exactly like a female chest. <laughs> looked exactly like two breasts. Did you note that last Very week? Very soft, yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. Well, that's, you know what that is? That's climate humor. <laughs> climate when it comes humor. to that, hey, they look like boobs. Uh, they look like a couple of boobs. <laughs> uh, one of the pools parked over the middle North America. The two parts have since merged again. Okay. Who's Francis? we got to go back and find who Francis is. No hey, mention hey. of, of man-made global well, warming or climate that's, change. That's, uh, that's understood when you're doing this. It's all about who's, uh, it's not Kenny Bloomfield. Who's uh, Francis? i uh, got to find it, and I'm going to. This is a fact-based podcast. podcast. I have time. I have time. Uh, okay, Francis. Uh, some teacher. I don't know. Francis said she can't say the ice laws caused last week's Arctic outbreak, but said it's certainly consistent with the new research, this new hypothesis, the climate change link to the polar vortex, she said, is supported by a handful of studies, by a few dozen scientists, but she said it's gaining traction. I'm not suggesting these researchers or professors are, are lying or even part of the conspiracy. They're, they're invested in this. Because they've been invested in it now for quite some time, and it's you know it's they they got to write their peer reviewed papers and right. they got to come up with this stuff and and they need to provide some type of information. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're 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 stretching, they're stretching to find out or give some answers. But it's just nature. Uh, Climate change doesn't uh, cause the uh, the jet stream to move. That's just nature. This is what's been going on since. Four and a half billion years ago. Uh, Judah Cohen, a climate researcher at Atmospheric and Environmental Research Consulting Firm in Massachusetts, said a visiting scientist and a visiting scientist at MIT said polar vortex disruptions are becoming more frequent. Uh, 
But here's my favorite part of this story. You have to read all the way to the end of this story to be really confused. Okay. All right. All right. Because, I, again, I'm willing to learn. Right. You I, thought when you ju- when you jumped into this, you were going to learn something I'm, new. I'm open-minded. I, I'm, I, I told you last week, you give me three 88-degree days in a row in January, I'm going to admit to you, something's wrong. Something's not right. Something happened. Right. But that's not what happened. In your research, you found that this is all cyclical. What happened last week has been happening since the beginning of time. And now you put that truth in front of well-minded researchers and scientists, Mm -hmm. and you note that not a one of them is factually stating that man-made global warming caused the split in the polar vortex. They say, we're studying it. Uh, convictions are growing. It could be because. We don't know. Maybe. maybe. Sometimes. We suspect. There's no firm language there. So this Judah Cohen, that's uh, a climate researcher at Atmospheric and Environmental Research, a consulting. Let me stop right there. And again, the reason I do this, the reason I'm so insistent on pointing this out is because and I'm not even suggesting that the people mentioned in this story are intending to bring this about. But I told you last week, if you go down this road and you buy this BS, you're setting yourself up for a life of a grim future. Because you're going to turn over something as complex and as natural as nature to 28-year-old con- congressional representatives who will seize upon this mm-hmm. and disrupt your life. And they will have nothing to do with saving the earth. The earth will save itself. Man is not bigger than nature. You think Alexandria Octavio Cortez is going to save the earth? She's they will turn, what they have to do to bring about the mystery is they have to turn this concern for what, they, what they're constantly selling as climate change. They'll have to, they'll have to turn it into a, a nationalist ideology. They will have to fundamentally transform government. That brings about what? The mystery. The mystery. The mystery. They're they're making us be more dependent on them. All right. Now I'll get to the the last, and then I'll tell you what I thought of. Okay. All right. Judah Cohen, a climate researcher at Atmospheric and Environmental Research, a consulting firm in Massachusetts, and a visiting scientist at MIT, said polar vortex disruptions are becoming more frequent. The severe... Well, they're becoming more frequent. Why has it been 30 years since we had a cold snap? Right. The severe winter... Weather typically occurs after a split vortex reassembles, with effects with effects felt mostly in North America, east of the Rockies, in Europe, and in East Africa. In fact, a second wave of Arctic temperatures is expected this week, Cohen said, but it is related to a polar vortex split that occurred in January. These disruptions don't always lead to severe cold outbreaks. But Cohen said he thinks, well, here's the Here's the last two paragraphs. Tell me if you can glean something from this. But Cohen said he thinks they may be preventing Minnesota's winters from warming as fast as they otherwise would. It may be cold comfort, the reporter concludes. But he added, our winters would be warmer if we weren't getting these increased polar vortex disruptions. Our winters what? would be warmer what in the hell if it wasn't so cold. <laughs> Is that what he's saying? Yes. Our winters would be warmer you know, if it wasn't so cold. If it wasn't so cold, <laughs> it'd be warmer. <laughs> That's Will Steger bringing a block of right, ice to the fair right. in August. Throwing it on the, uh, the that bucket. That means nothing. 
Well, it means that you're going to keep getting your uh, research check. The guy just said, our winters would be warmer if it wasn't so cold. I think I, I think I got that. Okay, but but the mere f- see this was printed in the Star Tribune because it's very important to the template in modern news gathering. Uh, global warming is real, and we must do something about this. Right. And 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 they're wrong. They're just all wrong. I won't live long enough to be proven correct. If in fact we can we can nip this and, and stop this nonsense. My point being, I got to thinking. You know, I've had this thought that I personally find charming, and I'm old enough now and secure enough that. I really don't care what people think of me for having this thought. But I was mulling over still. Sometimes it pops into my mind. The idea of wondering who took care of that uh, that child in North Carolina, Hathaway, Casey Hathaway, right? Uh, who for three days was lost in the woods, and then he came home uh, spotless, fit, healthy, warm, and said that a bear kept him company, right? Yep. And then I, I offered, uh, not facetiously, even though you morons, none of whom managed to get here today, uh, <laughs> except you, uh, I said, what if it was Sasquatch who took care of the kid? And I got a, a couple of emails that knew what I was saying. I love to live in a life of margins. I love to live a life in a world where I think I don't know everything that could happen. Right. And, but I'm, and then I began to link in my head today on the Garage Logic Service Road of Life. Uh, I, re- I recalled Dr. Jeff Meldrum. We've had him on before. Yes. He's an anthropologist at Idaho State University. And he uh, uh, is open to studying the possibility of there being a Sasquatch. Right. We've had him on the air before. Yes. Years ago, weren't there tremendous prints found in northern Minnesota? Yes. He weighed in on that. Mm-hmm. And, but he's a credible scientist. He does not appear to have let the Academy destroy him. Uh, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Uh, so I began thinking it would be entirely analogous to see a story, to see a reporter Go interview Meldrum, uh, analogous to climate change. Okay. It would be entirely analogous to see a reporter from the Idaho Statesman or whatever go to Meldrum and say, do you think there's a possibility that a Sasquatch uh, had a hand in comforting that lost child in North Carolina? And Meldrum could say, well, my research has suggested that the possibility exists mm-hmm. that there is a Sasquatch. We don't really know the relationship between uh, a Sasquatch's ability to comfort another human being if, in fact, they exist. But I am uh, optimistic that my research, uh, my growing research, will indicate that that's uh, that quite possibly is true. It's the same thing. In other words, he's not stating anything. Right, right. There's nothing uh, concrete there. Then I thought, I'm going to call him. Did you call him? About an hour ago, I called him. What did he say? Answered his own phone. Okay. I said, Jeff, Joe Sushere, St. Paul, Minnesota. You were on with us once. And he said, oh, yeah, really? And he, he maybe now that he's had a minute to think about it, he's probably realized oh, he's yeah. a, He's a Bigfoot superstar. Okay, and I bounced this off him. I said, you know that uh, if you follow the story of the kid in North Carolina, he said, yeah. And I said, the kid said he was comforted by a bear, and I offered on the show, uh, just wondering, uh, having some fun with wondering, might that have been a Sasquatch? And he doesn't, he didn't poo-poo me. Mm. Oh, and but he also didn't say it absolutely was a Sasquatch. He said that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, possibility. Uh, I don't even know if it's plausible. Uh, so he hadn't put that theory together. He hadn't. He, that hadn't occurred to him. Interesting. So I said, will you come on with us? Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'd be glad to. 
Uh, today didn't work for him because they're meeting, but tomorrow he'll be our first guest tomorrow. All right. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum. And he is, you look him up, all you people who really believe your science, uh, this isn't going to be me telling you this stuff. This is going to be a very credible guy, uh, a doctor, a uh, holder of a doctorate in anthropology and the way people walk and the history of uh the history of creatures and how they how they are able to move and it's and it's that study that led him uh, at least to the uh, uh, at least to the idea that these giant uh, uh, casts that are taken of feet of supposed Sasquatch. I remember the one up in northern Minnesota. Yeah, it, it has led him to study them and to compare them and to measure them and to wonder and to think. And, you know, there's still so much of that that's unanswerable. You know, we always say, well, how come you never find a body? How come you never find any bones and all that? My point is this. I'm not invested heavily either way in whether whether a creature such as Bigfoot exists or doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm open to the possibility. I, I hope there is. I, I, it, it doesn't bother. If they exist, wonderful. If they don't, I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm fine with that. And I think that's Meldrum's position. But he has a scientific ability to look at it. So, and I found it, I found me constructing this imaginary story I was writing in my head about Meldrum to be exactly analogous to the way reporters cover climate change. Hmm. Nothing factual can be stated because there aren't any facts. Plus, you, and you don't have the – you have 200 years of history. Yeah, you got nothing. About versus and, oh, that's the other thing he studied. He studied Native American lore. He studied uh, uh, what he believes Native Americans have found to be a relationship with unexplained beings. Hmm. Uh, he's, he's an interesting guy. We had a wonderful chat, and he's, he's going to come on tomorrow. All right. And, and so – uh, I don't even think I'll get into the climate change thing with him. That's not why I called him. I would love him, uh, and he will. I would love for him uh, with his great scientific gifts. And you people, you're all, you believe in science, right? Never mind that science can't figure out male and female anymore, but you got the science <laughs> part down. You got the science part down for global warming. Okay, fine. This guy's got the science part down, or, or at least as far as he can take it for uh, the possibility of these beings existing out there. And could it be, uh, could it be uh, that such a being might have comforted a child? We don't know, and for all I know, he's going to say, no, if that was a Sasquatch, it probably would have eaten the kid, you know. But at least right. we're going to be hearing it from somebody who knows what they're talking about. Right. And he's the expert, so he's the go-to guy. He's a, he, he picks up his own phone. <laughs> I wonder if he has on his desk. You think like he's got some blurry Bigfoot sightings? Of course and he does. He, on the on the uh, the whiteboard, the cork board, he's yeah. got you know the this was from Washington. He's got updates. Well, or, he does. He has a collection of casts. North Carolina region, or the uh, up in the mountains or the hills, or so that's. I'm looking forward to talking with him tomorrow. He's uh, uh, he's well, it sounds like he'll get the straight dope, and he'll tell you. Obviously, he's not run into a creature, so he can't tell you how a Sasquatch would be. No, but he's probably come closer to thinking that he's been in the presence of one than anybody. I've seen his I've seen his stuff on the cable, you know, the the history channel type stuff. He's been on a few times and he's he's been camping up in a cabin in Canada and they're all the way get up in the middle of the night. What was that noise, you know? And and uh it's it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to wonder and uh, it's fun to talk to a guy who uh, 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 
has an interest in in exploring the possibility. I would like to know from uh, from Jeff if he's always on guard. You know, if he's driving down the highway, you know, twenty eight, and there, there's yeah. there's woods, yes. is he kind of giving it a glance just to just to see if he can? <laughs> he would be kind of. Uh, preoccupied, I guess. Is he always preoccupied with uh, looking into uh, the brush and it bushes? It occurred to me, and this is, I have no uh, evidence to back myself up, but it would occur to me that, for example, uh, the gal who wrote this climate change story in the Star Tribune, Jennifer mm-hmm. uh, Borhus, uh, it would, my suspicion would be that she would find the last five minutes of this conversation absolutely ridiculous, that it, that the possibility exists that a uh, Sasquatch might have comforted a child. She would. She might fall into the camp of people who think that it's silly to wonder if such a creature exists. That's why I want to talk to a professor, a guy, because these same people, they love their professors. Right. They love their science, even as flawed as it is, especially when it comes to climate science. And you got these own people admitting that today. It's so complicated, we don't know. That they don't know. They don't know. But they still keep. They so, still so get why the hell was this story printed? What? It's to keep it alive. They did to it keep last, it in the. They did it last week. They did it last week. Without any additional uh, facts or figures that back up, they're not a fact in this story. And I'm, again, I am not indicting a reporter. Uh, uh, she did uh, uh, what she could do with her Rolodex, and these people are terribly available to tell her uh, what what she was after, and that is, hey, just because it was cold, that doesn't mean it's so. But then you get to the end, and the guy says, our winters would be warmer if we weren't so cold. Uh Yeah, uh, (laughs) I I agree. Could you run that by me again? It may be cold comfort, but he added, this being Judah Cohen, our winters would be warmer if we weren't getting these increased polar vortex disruptions. In other words, our winters would be much warmer if it wasn't so damn cold. And that's being passed off as science? Hell, any 10-year-old could tell you that. Right. I could go. I know a 6-year-old. I could go to her today and say, what reason is it, little girl, that it's not warm today? And her answer would be, because it's cold. Right. Which is factually correct. <laughs> that's but not science. That's not science. All right, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. What are you waiting for? This is Ricey for my friend, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Call Josh. Get a different point of view and get your financial future in order starting today. Sound retirement planning is important, and that's what Josh does. Josh can tell you that he is dedicated to helping people like you and me realize their best potential for a comfortable retirement. With today's market volatility, it's more important than ever to work with a professional who understands your needs, a professional who understands financial markets and the options available to help you reach your goals. Call Josh for a complimentary no-obligation consultation today at 952-925-5608. 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consult. LLC, a registered advisor for the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It's in hardware stores.
Speaking of winter. Yes, sir. Sanibel Jim alerted me to a great piece. Uh, uh, it's a piece out of Canada that plays a bit to my uh, fantasy of being able to skate everywhere in the in the metro, for example. Okay. I just love the thought of that. And it's a long piece, so I'm just going to tell uh, GLers uh, how to find it. www.curbed.com. C-U-R-B-E-D. Curbed.com. Okay. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a story about winter weather architecture uh, being designed in Canada. And uh, it, it makes for some good uh, reading by the fire. All right. All right. www.curbed.com. C-U-R-B-E-D. Curbed.com. Winter weather design architecture in Canada. What does that mean? Uh, they're designing uh, ways to uh, skate around town, and then there's uh, there's an architectural uh, uh, attraction where they can stay and be out of the wind. And it's okay. just it's just it's just an uh, the idea of architects uh, rather than complaining about winter, uh, embracing it, okay. and trying to figure out how to better enjoy it. Got it. Right. And, and I got news for you, global warming uh, uh, people. Winter's not going away. Right. It, just remember. Our winters would be a lot warmer if it wasn't so cold. That's the part I can't get over. That's a, that's good. We'd be warmer if it wasn't colder. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna tell at least five people that today. You'd be ahead of the curve. Yes, yes. Who won the damn hamburger contest at your house that I hear so much about? I uh, I took second place with my uh, my brisket uh, chuck and short rib mix. Uh, the bride won with the Lipton onion soup mix. How, how is the victory determined? Uh, by voting. Mm-hmm. She got all votes, and I think uh, one person, uh, Sophia, voted for herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, uh, the bride you, got... You, well, that would that would presuppose, then, that you, all of you had to eat everyone else's burgers. Well, there were... That's a lot of food. It was... No, only uh, three burgers were made. Oh. The oldest boy made a, a good burger. Uh, I made a pretty good one, but my wife did something. She made small potatoes... Carved out the potatoes, and that was the bun, and she used a sour I'm cream. I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with I that. I know you are, but it was it, they were real small. Yeah. So, it, you know, two bites. Uh, but it was it was very unique, and then uh, we had a great dessert, a raspberry, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, with the whipped cream on top. So basically it was just a, an excuse to eat. Gluttony. Yeah. Super, gluttony. Super Bowl Sunday in our family is it's a day of gluttony. gluttony, and I uh, I got after it pretty good. So. You know, I I, I, uh, I probably it's, I figured it was common surface. You know, I was making a few bets yesterday. I'd, I'd lure the kids oh, yeah. in. I'd yes. lure them in, and I'd say, I'll bet you there's a, a barking dog in the next okay. commercial. That's right? a fun and game to play. And, they, and they'd get pay rapt attention, and, uh, and I'd lose. Yep. And then I'd have to give them a dollar. Right. Well, you know, when the dust settled last night... <laughs> You know, when I started to look around, there was a lot of these tightly folded up dollars on the Ooh. floor. Well, they went right back into yes, my pocket. That's common service. I'm not, I'm not, I don't consider that stealing money from children. Absolutely if not. If they're going to be that careless right. with their earnings, yep. they, they don't deserve to have that money. They should that's learn common it. surface savings and loans. Right away, tuck it in your sock, put it in your shoe, take ownership of that money. What, what more obvious common surface is there than a floor? Uh, if it's on the floor, it's it's completely fair game. There's no guilt either. Did I review common surface savings and loan for new listeners? I think so. You haven't gone over that for a long time. The common surface savings and loan refers to the idea that you get to keep money that is found on common surfaces. 
most principally in your own home. Right. Uh, although it would apply to a public sidewalk. If you're walking down the sidewalk and you find a $5 bill, that's yours. Yep. That's a common surface. I suppose the moral argument could be made, well, not could be made, that wouldn't come into play if you're walking down the sidewalk and you find $10,000 in a bank bag that says Acme First National. That's going You back. have an obligation to return that to the bank. Yes. Not every member of our staff would. Uh, I'm one that would. I, I, know I the, would, too. I know the guy that lives on the farm uh, probably would not. Kenny would look around and make sure nobody saw him. Yep. He'd stuff that in his jacket so fast. <laughs> but I, I, So that, you know, common surface... It requires some some common sense. Yeah, you can't go. A dollar found on the floor in my house last night. That's the ultimate definition of common surface savings money. Right, walking into a a a, a child's room and there's uh, ten bucks on the dresser. That's not common that's surface. Not common surface. That's private property. What if you're doing laundry? Uh, and uh, money's just sitting right on top of the machine. I I consider that common surface. Yeah, that's I consider I would, that I would common agree. surface. Right. Uh, you can't take money off a kid's desk because that's where the kid put the right. money. That's not that's not your common surface. That's not surface. careless. That's not careless with your money. That's not your common surface. That's not a common surface. That is a uh, that is a distinct surface that belongs to the child. You know who had trouble with that concept? Um, Tommy Mischke when he worked here. I always had um, money in the in the top of my drawer. Yeah, that's not common. That's it's, yours. It's not, but he knew about that. And so when he would come in at 9 o'clock and hungry, he would write me a note, Misky, desperate, stole a buck, IOU. Yeah. And pretty soon there was about six of them, six IOUs in there, and uh, he never paid me back. That's back. not common surface. That's going into somebody's office desk, which I didn't lock. Uh, what about this judge? What are you uh, finding through? Not the judge, the governor of Virginia. He, he doesn't know... Uh, he doesn't know if he uh, was in the racist picture or he wasn't. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. Well, I got news for you, pal. You got no credibility. Right. And as CNN tried to pass him off as a Republican. No, he's a Democrat. Right. And uh, what's his name? Oh, come on. Help me. Governor of Virginia. Uh, Ralph Northam. There you go. And he uh, got into a big kerfuffle last week because uh, some concerned uh, person... Uh, how this guy got elected, how this didn't come out before, I, th I find very interesting. Because everything's uncovered in this day and age. Right. Of course, he was a Democrat, so maybe it wasn't looked for. I'm, I'm not being facetious. Because he was a Democrat with strong leftist views, maybe no one bothered to... Uh, you know, we, we, better, we better run through his yearbook. Uh, who, uh, that's what we are talking about yesterday. Who goes through a yearbook? How far do you go back? Uh, lefties go through yearbooks if they're running against the conservative. They'll go through the conservative's yearbook. Apparently, in this case, he ran against a guy named Ed Gillespie. And they just tore uh, Gillespie apart uh, for being a racist uh, because Gillespie said something to the effect on the campaign trail uh, that uh, he was opposed to the uh, gangs and uh, uh, illegal uh, uh, immigrants who quite very well could be gang members, and he was he was vilified for that. And this okay. guy won. In any event, here it comes now only to learn that uh, he uh, he either is or isn't in a picture uh, of blackface uh, next to a guy pretending to be a Klan member. Uh, that's stupidity, 
You know, that's as recently as 1984. Uh, you don't get a pass for that. Uh, no, absolutely not. Yeah. You, you would have known by that time that that's not. And now he says, well, you know what? I first thought it was me, and I apologize, but I'm, I'm here to tell you now, that's not me in there. All right. Good luck. The fine people of Virginia will sort all that out. Here's the piece. Ten earthquakes strike the coast of Northern California in less than 24 hours. Uh, preliminary magnitude is between 3 and 4.5. Struck off the coast of Northern California between Saturday and Sunday, according to the United States Geological Survey. Uh, these were quakes beneath the Pacific Ocean between 3 miles and 27 miles west of Petrolia in Humboldt County. I don't think there was any injuries or uh, anything of that nature, but nevertheless... Uh, what was the cause? What was the cause? Uh, climate change? Mother Nature. Uh, now, they haven't really figured out a way to blame earthquakes on climate change. No, because those, uh, I, I guess it's factual that those plates are moving. I found the ultimate mysterium. Who? Locally? A 27-year-old Indian man, oh. as in the country of India. Okay. All right. Like, welcome. Yep. He's suing his parents. Suing his parents? Oh, yeah. For what reason? Uh, with whom he admits to having a good relationship. Okay. He's suing them because they didn't get his consent to bring him into the world. I don't know how. How off how is that, this? How, I don't know how that might have been done. Right. Wait a minute now. Ralph Raphael Samuel of New Delhi said that children are not indebted to their parents and that children should ask their mothers and fathers for an explanation as to why they gave birth to you. I want to tell all Indian kids that they don't owe their parents anything. Samuel told India's The Print. I love my parents, and we have a great relationship, but they had me for their joy and their pleasure. He added, my life has been amazing, but I don't see why I should put another life through the rigmarole of school and finding a career, especially when they didn't ask to exist. This guy's going to get groin kicked, by the way. This idiot is going to get groin He's like the old scientist uh, who said, I want to die now. Right. You know, Uh Samuel's belief is part of a system called anti-nationalism, which promotes the notion that children shouldn't be forced to be born, especially at the expense of the planet. I don't get that. Other Indian people must know that this is an option not to have children and to ask your parents for an explanation as to why they gave birth to you, he said. Uh, Doesn't say what he's suing for. Samuel went on to compare childbearing to both kidnapping and slavery. Oh, the outlet reported that Samuel runs a Facebook page called, uh, a word I can't say, which boasts a whopping 800 followers. You can find various memes and videos advocating for allowing the human race to die. One photo reads, a good parent puts the child above its wants and needs, but the child itself is a want of the parent. That's really is there a dollar a figure that he's... It's kind of human nature to uh, sustain life, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, but he's not suing for a, a monetary amount, correct? Oh, yeah. He is? Well, I'm, I'm, that's, what, that's what lawsuits are, aren't they? I don't know if we get a number here, but this, this fruitcake has swallowed all the Kool-Aid, and he's worried about carbon footprints. And I've just given him enough information to hell with it. Well, how about that? Yeah. That deserves this. That has to go in the groin kicking file, doesn't it? <laughs> what, a, what a nice kid, huh? Ooh. I bet the parents are really proud of uh, Apu. What, what was his name? Whatever his name Raphael's is. Raphael. Raphael. Put that over there for the groin kicking file. All right. We'll take that. And uh, back to uh, Nick 
Sandman. You remember that name? Nick Sandman was the uh, the high school student from uh, that was in Washington D.C. Covington uh, kid. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the media got it all wrong. The news gatherers uh, saw an opportunity to uh, uh, indict him. He violated their template. He was a white privileged male uh, who had the audacity to confront a Native American. Uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, he's got some great lawyers. I'm not a lawsuit fan, but I'm kind of enjoying this one. Well, this kind of gone away pretty quickly, hasn't it? It really dropped off the uh, the face of the newsers. Well, as it turns out, the media had jumped to conclusions, resulting in countless apologies, retractions, and even many who did not relent, still somehow managing to blame the teenagers for causing a scene at the Lincoln Monument on the same day as this year's March for Life. Since then, Sandman's lawyers have been working overtime to ensure he and his family received justice for being widely defamed. On Friday, his team of lawyers sent letters to more than 50 individuals, media companies, journalists, Hollywood celebrities, and Catholic organizations as the first step in possible libel and defamation lawsuits, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer. One of Sandman's lawyers, Todd McMurtry, told the Cincinnati newspaper a team of seven lawyers have been working full-time to conduct a full review of what happened. They believe the media triggered an online mob that permanently stained Sandman's reputation. Mm. They know they crossed the line. Do they want 12 people in Kentucky to decide their fate? I don't think so, McMurtry said, adding that he believes some on their list will mount defense challenges. According to the, uh, here's who he's suing. <laughs> and I, he said, McMurtry said, we don't want this to happen again. These people need to be taught a lesson. Right. There was a rush by the media to believe what it wanted to believe versus what actually happened. This is going to be a very important lawsuit if it gets to that. Here's who they're suing. Okay. The New York Times. Wow. The Washington Post. CNN. NPR. The Atlantic. The Guardian. TMZ. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> TMZ is thrown in there, too. Capitol Hill Publishing, HBO, The Hill, Condé Nast, uh, CQ, Heavy.com, Bustle.com, Warner Media, Representative Ilhan Omar, oh. Senator Elizabeth Warren, Kathy Griffin, Jim Carrey, Alyssa Milano, Bill Maher, CNN's Aaron Burnett, CNN's Sarah Sidner, CNN's Anna Cabrera, CNN's S.E. Cup. CNN's Elliot C. McLaughlin, CNN's Amanda Watts, CNN's Emanuela Grinberg, Washington Post Michelle Borstein, Washington Post Cleve Wootson, Washington Post Antonio Olivo, Washington Post Joe Heim, Washington Post Michael Miller, Washington Post Eli Rosenberg, Washington Post Isaac Stanley Becker, Washington Post Christine Phillips, New York Times Sarah Mervash. <coughs> They got some big names out here. I just here. love reading this list. Just yeah. a minute, I need a sip of water. All right. <laughs> You're taking full enjoyment of the mm-hmm. fact that, uh, well, these people got uh, caught with their hand in the cookie jar. It's worse than that. New York Times, Emily Rube. New York Times, Maggie Haberman. New York Times, David Brooks. Shannon Doyne. Kurt Eichenwald. NBC's Andrea Mitchell. NBC's Savannah Guthrie. MSNBC's Joy Reid. NBC's Chuck Todd. The Guardian's Noah Berlatsky. NBC's Alicia Felstadt. The Associated Press, Un Kyung Kim. Diocese of Covington. Diocese of Lexington. Archdiocese of Louisville. Diocese of Baltimore. I think this is fascinating. 
There, How else are you going to stop this? Well, what do you predict will happen? Uh, there must be some case for libel. That's why they're proceeding. After a review, the lawyers concluded that we have a good faith basis to sue certain organizations, McMurtry said. However, he said not all organizations who were sent letters will necessarily be sued. He added that this process will not be over quickly. Uh, McMurtry said his clients will also be demanding retractions and apologies in addition to possible litigation. We want to change the conversation. We don't want this to happen again. We want to teach people a lesson, McMurtry said. There was a rush by the media to believe what it wanted to believe versus what actually happened. Is, doesn't that summarize uh, succinctly pretty much what's happening in the country right now? Yes. That we're led, at least in the news gathering industry, by people who tell us what they want us to believe as opposed to what is actually the truth. Yeah. I believe that's, I believe we see it every day uh, when uh, news sites say we just experienced historic cold, as though that never happened again. That's what they want to believe. That's not the case. That's not the truth. Right. They're becoming the news rather than just yeah. reporting the news. Yeah. And uh, how else are you going to uh, – the New York Times and the Washington Post, uh, they're, they're so distanced from a bunch of kids at a school in, in the suburb of Cincinnati. How else are you going to get through to them? I'm not, I'm not a big fan of litigation. Right. I guess I am in this case. How else are you going to get through to CNN, NPR, the Atlantic Media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC? How are you going to get through to them? Well, this is this is the pushback. You got to push back. This is the pushback. Uh, you know, and I realize that it's a team of lawyers looking to make a pot of money. Right. Okay, that money still talks in this country, despite uh, the fact that uh, Ilhan Omar and Cortez want to take it all. Right. Uh, I, I got to think that many of these people cited will settle rather than go to trial. Oh boy, I wonder what that amount's going to be. I don't know. And is this pro bono work? Is this? Uh... Oh hell no! These lawyers are looking at a payday. Hmm. I mean, that's what they do. That's what lawyers do. But I, I think in this case, uh, lawyers have a marvelous way to say to these news gathering institutions, "You're all full of BS. <laughs> You're just full of B as in B, S as in S." And you got caught, and now you got to pay. You saw a target. Oh, I, I'd love to help. I'd love to help them with their work. You saw a target that perfectly complemented the template that might as well be written and chiseled in granite in the modern American news-gathering institution. And that is, privileged white males would be wrong. And they're not that, I don't know what the tuition is at their high school, but they're going to be, but part of the template would be, because they go to a Catholic high school, they right. obviously come from means, which isn't the case at all. Uh, inner city uh, Catholic high schools have done more to educate people than the public school system has. Right. So anyway, and that's not inner city, but that's neither here nor there. My point being that they saw the target. You know, they saw privileged, white, male, young people. Uh, and uh, there's a disturbance on the mall. It had to be their fault. And it wasn't their fault. It was black Israelites, Israel, Israelites. Those guys are really uh, bad. The uh, the Native American whose name escapes me, Nathan. Nathan Harris. Uh, well, whatever it was, uh, he walked into the kids, not the other way around. The whole the, the the news gatherers got it completely wrong because their template 
overrode the truth of the event. Their template overrode the truth. Right. They got it wrong. And when you get it that wrong, this is what's going to happen. Big, high-powered lawyers are going to come after you, and maybe that's the only way that the news-gathering institutions can reestablish some guidelines to favor the truth in all cases. Uh, who's my uh, Who's my great uh, Nathan Phillips? Yeah, Nathan Phillips. Uh, who's uh, Stephen Hunter? The Stephen Hunter books. Yeah. Uh, Lee uh, Swagger. Bob Lee Swagger. Yep. And one of the one of the later books in the series. Uh, Bob Lee's getting to be, you know, in his 70s now. But uh, Bob Lee, uh, uh, I'll I'll summarize it uh, because it's been so long since I read it. But uh, Hunter had a great deal of fun with the idea that uh, the New York Times uh, went after Bob Lee Swagger for firing a certain kind of weapon. And the New York Times... Uh, described the weapon, but the point of the book was they got it completely wrong. I remember that. They got it completely wrong, and, and Bob Lee, as he does in all the books, he triumphs in the end. Right. But it was a, it was a delightful, uh, and Hunter's in the newspaper business, longtime film critic for the Baltimore Sun. I don't know that he still is. But it had to give him great pleasure to give that shot to the New York Times, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he captured exactly what was happening, Right. exactly what was happening. So in any event, uh, that's quite a list. That's quite a roster of people who can be uh, who can be sued Man. on behalf of uh, Nick Sandman and his uh, buddies uh, from the high school there in Covington, Kentucky, a suburb of Cincinnati. All right, bro. That'll wrap up this podcast version of Garage Logic Podcast number what, Joe? This was number uh, Matt. This was number ninety-two. We 90. might make it to hundred. We 90, might ninety-two. If you want to learn more about Garage Logic and its podcast, check us out online at garagelogic.com. The features uh, drop-down button has got uh, What's on Joe's Bookshelf and Greg Holcomb's Creations, which are fantastic. Tell your friends and family about the Garage Logic podcast, and don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes, garagelogic.com. 